Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. Hi there, Gary Cook here, and you are listening to Lions Legends. My guest today was one of Ireland's great scrum halves. Hailing from St. Mary's Rugby Club, he made his international debut for Ireland in 1972 against France in France and won, a feat that would not be repeated for 28 years. He was also selected to represent the British and Irish Lions on the most famous of Lions tours in South Africa in 1974, and he has surely earned a place as a Lions legend. I'm delighted to be talking to Johnny Maloney. Johnny, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Gary. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't... That was a bit of a surprise anyway, but anyway, go on. I I don't consider myself a legend. (laughs) Well, I I do. I dislike the word. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it sounds... We're we're fighting already. (laughs) It sounds good, Johnny. Okay. uh, I think it's it's true. Well, you've got your Lions rugby shirt. We're coming from uh, Johnny's uh, beautiful Kiltiernan home, and his Lions uh, rugby shirt is on the wall. Um, And... uh, there was a story as well you were telling me about another Lions shirt that you had. Is is this allowed to be discussed? Well, let's discuss it. I, I, I got a, an email from or a text from a friend to say that my one my Lions jersey from 74 was up for sale I don't eBay or some of these things mm. and that uh, it was going for two or three thousand and, and my wife asked me before telling me what did I think was going for? And I said two or three hundred max. So, like, but I would dispute whether it is my line shirt or not because on tour, you only for the whole tour, you got two jerseys at the end of the tour. And this was said, this was from my from the second test and implied that it might have been tearing off or something. I never got on the field, you know, as a sub, and I don't think anyone did in 74 tour, so it would not have been torn. But anyway, look, I, I would dispute because I wouldn't. I gave this to someone and I don't think that person would have put it up for sale either. So I, I, I don't, I would dispute whether it's my shirt or not, but that's another story. <laughs> you should be on the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> well, I'm uh, old enough to be on it. <laughs> okay, so um, just a, we'll start off the, with that Lions Tour 74. It's a famous tour, the 99 tour, as they say, you went to South Africa and won. Um, g- give us a little bit of uh, the background uh, to that tour and your your own position because you were obviously Ireland's scrum half, right, right. Uh, and um, so, give us a little bit of of. Well, well, first of all, there was a lot of controversy over the tour, yeah. you know, with, with apartheid, and wasn't it Peter Hain? Wasn't it? he was objecting? And there was a lot of fuss. He was a, he was a, a Labour MP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a there, there was a lot of fuss and things like that, so. I think there was one or two players didn't go, you know. Uh, Gerald uh, Davies, the Welsh Ger- ringer, didn't uh, go. And there was a, John Taylor. John Taylor was the man I was trying to think. He didn't go. And, you know, I, I admired their stance. I looked up in a different way, right? I, I said to myself, look, I felt there was more to be achieved by going than not going. You know, inclusion, not exclusion. And one of the things that had a bearing on it we were playing against now this is not PC but it was terminology used at the time so I'm going to use the terminology Mm. we were going to be playing against a a black side and a coloured side Mm. and up to this there was never whites played against these sides so I felt it was more to be achieved by playing against them and we did play against them and you know uh, and I think it proves that it brought, brought people together rather than, than, than apart. And when we were in, in South Africa, they were our biggest supporters. They used to follow us in the bus. 
and everything and they'd be outside our hotel and we go out and talk to them and they were surprised you know white people talking to black people you know it's, it's, it seems unusual well I know that um, that apparently in I'm sure you've heard the story, but in Robin Island, when uh, obviously the Lions won the Test series, uh, but, but three to one, three to one drawn a match. No, I mean, no, three matches. The Lions won three. There were four Tests. The Lions won three, and one was drawn. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, but uh, the, uh, some of the pri- some of the prisoners, uh, the ANC guys, were stopped from talking about. The Lions' victory because it was too much to bear for the um, for the people who worked in. <laughs> well, I, I I haven't heard that story, but I could understand it to be true. And one of the highlights of, of the tour for me was that when we were in um, Port Elizabeth. We were invited by these some of these people whom I got to know from, from standing. They'd be standing outside our hotel. They couldn't go into our hotel or into the grounds. And they invited us up to their township. About four, three or four of us went up to the township. And we were mobbed like we were nearly the Beatles, yeah. <laughs> which we weren't. But anyway, the welcome we got. And they were so thrilled that we took the time to visit them in the township. And how did your hosts feel about that? I mean, did they think, was this a condition on you going... Oh, in the first place, or were they were they comfortable or uncomfortable? Well, well, well first of all, uh, I don't think they, they knew, or I didn't give a damn if they did or not. Anyway, mm. I was entitled to go up there. Uh, I, you know, we it was just a casual thing that was arranged ad hoc. It was not on our program, mm. and uh, you know, the welcome we got, I will never ever forget, and they were so thrilled. Now they. The establishment couldn't do anything about them waiting for us outside the hotels. They used follows on the bus. They could do nothing about that. It was all spontaneous. But, you know, we, we certainly enjoyed their support. One of the things about that tour that's um, considered to have been a great success was just the camaraderie of the squad and the, the sense of togetherness. Is, is, is that overplayed or is that true? Underplayed, if anything. Oh. Honestly, like, first of all, I think a significant part, there was seven, seven, eight, eight. That means there was seven from, I think, Ireland, seven from Scotland and eight from whatever, whatever it was. But there was a virtually an equal mix. Uh, there was no sobbery. The dirt trackers, which I was part of the dirt tracker team, the second team, you know, we were very, very lucky in the management team, right? Uh, the management team... Alan Thomas was the manager. Now, he was good in so far as he stayed out of the rugby end of it and he did well and he gave... We had a brilliant coach in um, Sid Miller. Sid Miller was fantastic. Our captain, Willie John, he... The lads would have done anything for him. And there was, you know, there was no saying I should have been picked or I should have been this or that. The, The harmony was phenomenal. And I, I, I spoke to uh, Edmund Van Esbeek recently, and I think, excuse me, I'm, I'm not great on facts, but I think he was on five or six Lions tours. And he said there was nothing comparable to that on oh. all the tours. You know, coming from an independent person and a person of his integrity, that said a lot. So I think it was underplayed. <laughs> I've interviewed uh, Willie John McBride myself, and I must say it was um, he was on... Um, on the computer, right, so right. it was a, a a Zoom call set up by his kids yes. and our grandchildren or whatever. I know the feeling. <laughs> and well, the presence of the man was completely obvious uh, just by looking at him. I was yeah, yeah. slightly intimidated. And now he was considered to be a great, great captain and a great player, um, and a hugely, hugely experienced player. In fact, uh, interestingly, as you know, he. After seventy one uh, lines tour, he kind of thought maybe I've done three and I've had enough, uh, and I know he had various conditions for seventy four. Now, when you got there, as you know better than I do, uh, the tour had a certain controversy on top of the uh, sort of apartheid issue in terms of the approach. So, the nine 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 or the ninety nine tour, 
Tell me about that. Well, well, first of all, you know, when we met in London, right, at the start of the tour, the most extraordinary thing is there was 30 players. And do you know how many Alec Adoos? No. Guess, guess. How many now would you have now? Well, now you you would have a a cast of thousands. I mean, I don't... No, no, but I mean... Official people, the doctors, the physios. Oh the, yeah. Uh, uh, in well, nowadays you would have f- probably forty or fifty people. How many yeah. did you have? Two. <laughs> we had no doctor. We had no physio. Right. <laughs> we had Sid Miller as coach, Alan Thomas as manager, and our our doctor on tour who did a phenomenal job, and I'd like it to go down on record was Ken Kennedy. Yeah. He was a player. He was a ogre. And then when we got to South Africa, we, we picked up two. We picked up a, ba- a bagman uh, and we picked up a liaison officer. Jude Fisser was his name, I remember, from Bloemfontein. But other than that, there was no other hangers on or, or assistants or anything like that. <laughs> so it was a different type of, of tour. And as a matter of interest, did any of you think we should have more people here? Or? We never... T- no, we... Yeah. You know, we never thought about it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's the way it was. You know, that's the way it was. Uh, so the 9-9 part of it, oh, tell nine, me nine, about nine, that. Oh, but Willie John from Word Go, I remember the meeting in the hotel in London, he said, if any of you have any reservations about going to South Africa, I would hold nothing against you, please leave the room. And, he said, and then he said, he was so determined that they had, on a few previous tours he'd been on, they got the hell beaten out of them. And he said, there ain't going to be any surrender. You know, if we go down, we're going to go down fighting, we're going to go down prepared. <laughs> now, the 9-9 thing, I think, came a little bit later. We we had no, all the referees that we had on tour were South African. There was no such thing. And some of them weren't too good, right? And when you say weren't too good, do you well, mean uh, we, we're uh, just we, a bit too hometownish? Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, and th- then also then when we played against maybe the colours in the back, th- a lot of them didn't know the laws that well, you know. So we had to take the law into ourselves in those matches and some of the other matches. Like the things that I saw happened to me in, the, in front of me and I had a panoramic view fellas getting their face smashed now we had some fellas in our pack and that could look after themselves and they had to take the law on themselves in order to stop them infringing on us so it was brutal at times it was brutal at times you know was it more brutal than anything you'd experienced Yes, by a long way. Northern Hemisphere. Yes, 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 yeah. Well, first of all, South Africa, as even today, are very physical. You know, they haven't changed that much, Mm. you know, uh, the way they play. And then having to take the law into our own hands. You know, there's one in all in. They can't send the 15 of us off. (laughs) So can I ask you, Johnny, well, I know you didn't play in the the test matches as such, but um, uh, did that same thing apply in the Wednesday team? Oh, more so. <laughs> oh, equally so. Yes, equally so. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so, I mean, you don't strike me as being a particularly aggressive man. Now, I'm sure you were aggressive enough to no, pitch, I, but... No, no, but I, no, did, but... Did you give some... Ah, but I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I the question. So, us timid backs. I remember in the third test, the 99 calls was called and uh, the, the full back um, JPR Williams, JPR Williams. Yeah. I saw him running from 50 metres coming into Tlacavello yeah. now he was he, JPR loved the physicality as well you know so well, maybe I had a little bit but I wouldn't have been a, a JPR and I wouldn't have been a Bobby Windsor <laughs> <laughs> Bobby would probably would have been and Bobby would love this me saying this about him he was our biggest hatchet man the com- there's no greater compliment I could give Bobby well, somebody like has to be no no greater compliment I could give to Bobby Windsor who was one of the characters of the tour 
You know, he was one of these natural funny. Usually on a tour, an Irish guy comes to the fore like Moss Keane or someone like this. But Bobby Windsor was the out and out character of that of that tour. Uh, and uh, the the other Irish lads uh, on the tour um, were well, Fergus Slattery was Fergus Stuart McKinney yeah. a man that looked after himself as well Tom Grace was Tom Grace was out in the wing Tom is one of the most competitive fellas I've ever come across really <laughs> even, even in rugby and non-rugby he's he's viciously competitive right mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, who, Dick Milliken had a great tour yeah and Ken Kennedy Ken Kennedy yeah. he's a name I always remember maybe it was easy to remember Ken Kennedy but I I was as a kid, I was Ken Kennedy. But you're saying he was a doctor. He was a doctor. And if we hadn't got him on tour, I dislocated my shoulder in the first match. The next day, he had me doing, and he put it back in immediately. He had me doing gentle push-ups. And I played within 10 days. Wow. Now, you you just mentioned there that you uh, had your shoulder dislocated. Were you targeted, do you think? No, 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 no definitely not. No, 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 no. Okay, because... They, they targeted Gareth Edwards, not me. <laughs> okay, well, Gareth... You, no, no. Uh, right. There was only two uh, scrum halves on the tour, of yeah. which you were, you were one. Um, Gareth Edwards being the other, considered to be one of the greatest... Well, he, he, was voted, uh, he, he, he was voted player of the last century. You know, and I, I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Fantastic player. Tell me, I mean, we'll talk about you in relation to him and the, uh, the kind of playing of the Wednesday team and not the test team and so on. But Gareth Edwards himself, uh, what what did he have in totality? Now, I know he had great pace and handling and this and that, but what, what do you think he had that made him so great? Well, one aspect of that tour that was very significant to me and has, has never been really highlighted. On that tour, Garrett developed this low kick, particularly from scrums. He kicked the ball low into the ground and the grounds were very, very, very hard, hard mm. except for Cape Town, right? And he would be getting... 50-22s. <laughs> you know, you couldn't get direct in those days... In the earlier years, you could, but he would kick it, and he would be get, making fifty meter or fifty yards gains, and it had a huge bearing on a lot of the big matches, and it was never highlighted to the extent it should have been. He had a fantastic pass, very strong. He, I think, he was one of the few players. Now, when people are young schoolboys in St Michael's and Black Rock, and to the, none of. He was one of the few that did weights. I can only think of two or three players that did weights. At that time? At that time. Ray McLaughlin won and Garrett Edwards. Garrett went to a school, uh, he got a scholarship to a school in, in, I think, in just in in, in England, actually. And that that was more sort of a PE type of school, no, secondary school. But he was doing weights and he was one of the few. And I can remember watching him on the 71 tour and he got a try and he, the strength, he just handed off an all black. And it was the strength. So look, it was different days, you know. Well, he was an enormously strong man, uh, barrel-chested yeah, 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 yes, and yes. quick and explosive. Yes. Uh, and and I presume and he, he read a, the game brilliantly as he well. He did, and he was a good man for the big occasion as well. You know, the thing about what we used to know him about Gareth... I would have been a very hard trainer, you know, and I trained like mad. Garrett would have been the least, one of the few least hard trainers. He reminded me, you know, of a soccer player. You you get a midfield soccer player and he's just there and he's orchestrating everything. And he seems to be just so casual. There was a bit of that about Garrett, which is the ultimate compliment I could pay him. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? 
Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie. Doro, make friends with innovation. I remember, uh, I think it was 72, from one of the first rugby matches I remember watching, they were playing, uh, Wales were playing Scotland, and I think it was at Murrayfield. I remember there was a kind of a dirt track around oh, the pitch. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, he was, yeah. he was, uh, he was, he chipped the ball on uh, when he was running with it and it was going right towards the end line, the dead ball line. At, uh, I remember Bill McLaren always said, it'll be a miracle if he gets there, hmm. in the way that Bill McLaren said, miracle. <laughs> right? And he did get there and it's an amazing try. I've seen it on YouTube. And then I remember the next day at church, uh, the vicar was talking about miracles, uh, as in Jesus' miracles. <laughs> and uh, so I conflated the two things. Nice, and nice. it made total sense to me that Gareth Edwards had this incredibly elevated <laughs> turn water into wine quality about him. You know? but, but the famous try he got against the bar- for the barbarians against the All Blacks. Mm. And the reason he got it was he was too lazy to go back. <laughs> You remember Phil Bennett did the two sides? Yeah, the hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Gary didn't bother to ask him back. So he was there to support because he hadn't got back. But, but the timing but, of that run right. as well, as it well. was oh, the no, final no. moment of, yeah. of an incredible move. It was the most, it was an incredible. I, and what, what probably the best was Phil Bennett's two side yeah. steps going backwards. And Phil, there's only one person with a better side step than Phil and that was Gerald Davies. You know, Gerald Davis, a, a, yes. a wonderful player. He wasn't on that tour, but he was on the '71 tour. Uh, but he was a fellow that accelerated in and out of a side step. Oh, he was. I mean, I remember watching him on rugby special, um, and uh, he was just absolutely extraordinary, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, unbelievable, great player. Uh, I mean, in the in the kind of I mean, the equivalent of Pelé. At, uh, in in soccer, in terms of his movement, well, himself and Gareth are two I would yeah. class world class, yeah. you know. And I don't give that to many people, you know. I don't give that uh, honor to many people. There was there was others, but but they they are two that I would put up there. Uh, the only game you lost was against the Orange Free State. No, we that... didn't lose any. Really? No, no, we didn't lose any. No matches were lost. No, not And Garrett got a great try, or he was responsible for getting a try in the last second against the Orange Free State. I can remember rolling the far left-hand corner. We beat the Orange Free State, 100%. Okay. It was a very tight match. My research tells me that... that well, you're, I, I, will, I will swear on the Bible... No, I'm the, you were there. I, I, well, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a great man for facts, but... Was it 22 or 23 matches on the tour? 22, I think. Mm. Right. We won 21 and drew the last test. And I'm convinced that Fergus Saturday got the ball down for a try <laughs> in the last few minutes, you know. And when, so when, is when Sonny, the referee, so does Sonny when, Campbell believe that? Yeah. Well, Willie John McBride definitely believes yeah, it. Well, I believe it as well. And someone said to the referee, you know, about it, he said. He said, "I've got to live here." <laughs> but anyway, look, that, that that's history. And so a fantastic tour and something that uh, you treasure for. Oh, treasure! You know, and and the friends I've made. Mm. You know, the friends I've made, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, memories. One or two things. I remember we arrived at the bus for the first match, and the bus. And all the colours and blacks were thumping the side of the bus, cheering us on. On that tour, it was the most fantastic tour for singing. I haven't a note in my head, but we sang everywhere we went. And they were all good songs. You know, none of these slightly stupid, smutty ones. You know, really good songs. And the cheerleader was a fellow called Billy Steele from Scotland. A great, great fellow. And Billy's own song was Flower of Scotland. And that became the na- the anthem for the lines, and it was adopted by fr- by Scotland three or four years later. It emanated from the lines tour. I don't know if many people. Realized oh, no, that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I was, was very Billy, surprised to yeah, hear that. But, yeah, but it was Billy Steele. But anyway, we were singing "Flower of Scotland," and the bus was stopped. No one moved until we had finished. You know, so the singing on the tour, the lovely songs and, you know, and the crack and everything. 
singing generally seems to be very important today. I mean, I was oh, talking was. to Willie Anderson. He he described this yeah, uh, in yeah. a pre-tour of France, I think, in 88. But, it, you know, right, but on that, it was incredible. We got on the bus, you know, and swing low and then, you know, all good songs. And it, it was incredible. So your own rugby life began as a young lad... You went to St. Mary's College. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was born in Limerick. My father was transferred up here when I was eight. So my first rugby match ever was in uh, in St. Mary's. And uh, I was only reminded about it. Like, I came up and I would have been very unusual, a culture coming to Mary's, you know, like... And, you know, we used to play a lot of tip rugby in Mary's out in the back yard. And I... We've produced in those times fantastic backs, you know, mm. and I put it down to the tip rugby out in the backyard. So I was doing qu- quite well at this. So I was picked for the team. And they asked me, Did, had you played rugby before? I said, no, I played a bit of all hurling and a bit of soccer and that sort of thing. Anyway, I scored seven tries in my first match <laughs> in the front field in St. Mary's. And I was a reminder about that by his fellow Stephen O'Byrne in, 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 Fitz, in Fitzwilliam, who played in that, in, in that, in that match, you know. And, uh, so when did you realise that you were good, good? Never. You know, like in school, you know, I never thought of playing for Ireland, never thought. You know, really? never, you know, it just evolved rather than, you know... Uh, yeah, but rugby was going to be something that you were going to keep up after school. Oh yes, yes. Like I was mad into sport. Like I did a lot of athletics, and uh, I played a little bit of cricket as well. And uh, and what athletics did you do? As a matter of interest, I did two hundred and four hundred. Okay, so you were quick over. Yeah, a long I won distance. the All Ireland f- f- uh, two hundred meters in whatever year sixty seven, and I beat a fellow Brendan O'Regan, who was an Irish champion later on. And the gas thing about it was that I came second in the Leinster and won the All-Ireland. And the reason being we had three more weeks. See, a lot of the, the some of the athletes were at it all the time. We At the end of the rugby season, we'd start doing a bit of athletics. So we had three, two or three more weeks to train. You know, so... Our, our our improvement could be greater than his in three in three weeks, but he was a monster anyway, you know. And, uh, so I did uh, two hundred and four hundred. Uh, so when you got into St Mary's, uh, yeah. went to the club for yeah. senior rugby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you must have then had a considerable uh, string to your bow if you had that level of athletic ability on top of your rugby ability. Well, I don't know. Like, you You're know, very modest. You never thought about, you know... Uh, well, for, for, first of all, I had great... And players had great pride in their club. Leinster didn't mean as much... Now, now it's all Leinster. Mm-hmm. At that stage, it was all St Mary's, mm-hmm. you know. Mary's, Mary's, Mary. It meant a lot to us. And I remember talking to Dennis Hickey. This is Dennis Hickey Sr. Now. Mm. And we had a, a cup match. Right. First of all, there was no league. So the, the, cup, the Leinster Senior Cup was a big competition. And I, we used to make our own way down. And uh, we, for this particular... Normally we tug out in the Lansdowne. For this reason we tugged out in the Wondrous Pavilion. And Dennis Hickey was there before me. And he was like a lion in a cage, pacing up and down. He was so nervous. And I said, Dennis, I feel exactly the same. And I felt more before the nerve, the first Mary's Cup match than an international. Maybe it was the, the responsibility you felt you had. I, but I can't explain it. And he felt the same. You know, don't ask me why, but the club meant a lot to us. And you, you then, I mentioned at the beginning that you made your debut firmed. Uh, for the full international team in 1972 against France. However, you did actually play uh, matches against Argentina, yes. which weren't recognised as full caps at that time. Yes. yes. Well, my, 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 my first two occasions playing for, playing for Ireland was against Argentina in 1970, and they beat the hell out of us. <laughs> right, they beat us. And they were unbeaten, I think, for a number of years. They'd beaten the old Were time. you surprised by that? Not really, because I, 
I'm open to correction. I don't think they had ever been beaten up through about 15 years or 20 years ago on home territory. Now, they didn't play many home matches, but they beat the All Blacks over there. It was very hard to win over there. So, uh, yes, I played in the, two, in the two tests and I cel- celebrated my 21st birthday over there. And uh, I remember, um, I'd like to mention his name because a lovely man who I would have loved to see him getting capped and should have got capped was Paddy Madigan. Mm. And I hadn't got a bean and Paddy paid the drink for all the drink for my 21st birthday. <laughs> Different times, you know, like I was just left school a few years, wasn't earning too much money. But anyway, that, 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 I, I'll never forget that gesture, Paddy Madigan. So you made your first official appearance for Ireland yeah, uh, yeah. in France. And is it Colombe? Colombe? It was Stade Colombe. Yeah, Stade yeah, Colombe. So, yeah. um, and yeah, so that was a bit... How good were fans? Had, got his three yeah. tries, I think, is now right. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say in 72, it wasn't a picnic either to go there. No, but again, you know, there's not the same... We were quite ignorant. There wasn't quite the same publicity and that we hadn't won. I, you know, I, I wasn't aware of that, that we hadn't won for many years in, in, in Paris before that. You know, sort of, it, it, ignorance can be good at times. <laughs> and we didn't realise the significance of it, you know, uh, of winning, you know. Uh, was French rugby... As as tough and oh, it was like, flare filled as it is. France no? French rugby was very very you know high. It was a big big surprise, and one of my great regrets. First first of all, uh, our coach was Ronnie Dawson, right? Ronnie was, in, to me, the most revered person ever in Irish rugby. First of all, he he captain of Ireland. He captained the Lions. Uh, he was an Irish selector and he was very kind to St Mary's, although he's a man of total integrity. Uh, he got St Mary's the first two caps in Sean Lynch and Dennis Hickey in 1970. And Sean went on uh, a year later to be the prop in the tests in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, like, he would have come out of the blue and would have been because of Ronnie Dawson saw Sean's ability. And Ronnie then, he maintained, he was in charge, not in charge, he, he, he was chief architect with Bank of Ireland, but he ran Lansdowne Road. You know, he responsible for everything that happened there. Uh, he was IRB on the IRB board. He was trustee of thing. And he would have been, and people like Tommy Kearn and wonderful people who would have set the bedrock for the professional game. It's easy to say now, look, they made all the right decisions, but they did and other countries didn't. And we've benefited enormously from that. Going right the way back to... The start the, of professionalism. Yeah. They they decide, or whatever, you know, the provinces. Okay, there was a natural thing, but they decided that their contracts would be with the IRFU and not with the clubs as it applies in other countries. So the IRFU have control of all the players, whereas in England they don't, in other countries they don't. Yeah, no, I know, I know it was, but, but the infrastructure they, they, was there. They, they, they made all the right decisions, mm. you know, they made all the right decisions. You know, they'd be two people, you know, particularly Ronnie Dawson and Tom Kiernan too, you know, wonderful ambassador for Irish rugby. So that Ireland team that you played in at the time, was a v- certainly in the in the oh. early seventies yeah. was a very good side yeah. with a lot of very good players. Yes, Ma- and you did get unlucky for reasons that we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah. just an overview on the guys that you would have played with. Okay, well, for, 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 first of all, I'm absolutely convinced we would have won the championship mm. that year. We beat England. Excuse me. We beat England away. We beat France away. We beat France in another match that year. They came this over is in here. 72, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right. So we had, you had players, there were, there were three different groups. You had the senior players, who were, most of them were at their peak. You had Willie John, yeah. uh, Ray McLaughlin, Ken Kennedy. The young Slattery, who well, was already I would, alive. I would, I would put Slats in the second group. Mm. You know, the fellows that had a certain... The, the, they were at the prime too, the open the, the, the fellas that were there for about two or three years. And then we had the five new caps. 
We had mm. five new caps for the match against France. Mm. And that's your great courage from Ronnie Dawson and the selectors. And I would put down mainly to Ronnie Dawson, right? Because in those days, the selection was a little bit odd at times. But uh, I'm so, convinced that if we played Wales here. Yeah. And if we played Scotland here, we would have won both matches. Okay, so what happened was in uh, January 72, there was... Uh, Bloody Sunday happened in Derry and then uh, there was a refusal by both Scotland and Wales to come to sure, Dublin. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, about that. And well, 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 first of all, I don't hold the Scottish Union to this very day in very high esteem. I absolutely abhorred abhor them, right? What they did... Right, first of all, they they decided, they didn't ask the players, right? They made the decision, right? Okay, uh, the Welsh players weren't either asked as well, but the first country to decide not not to travel was the significant one. And they decided not to. And if only because England came in 73, which I have a lot to say about that, uh, the RFU would have gone bankrupt. 90% of the income from the IRF, for the IRFU came from the ticket sales, mm. ticket sales from the home internationals. And we would have been bankrupt. And uh, Wales didn't come, but I speak so highly of England. Well, it, just, just on that in 72... Um, you you'd already beaten you beat England and you beat uh, you beat France. So there was away, away, away. away. So there was every possibility that you were going to do a clean sweep. Yes. Uh, for that year, you did, that must have been. I mean, that is, alone must have been really shattering for you. Guys. It was. I you know I was so so disappointed that they didn't come. So I was bitterly disappointed. And I mean, what was there ever a reason given other than oh? There was threats against. Were there threats against them? To the best of my knowledge, no. No, there was threats against the following year mm. against the English mm. players. But like the English players would have been much more vulnerable to threats than the Scottish mm. and 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 the Welsh, you know. And they decided for safety reasons, you know, not to cop. So I know France came and played another game at exactly, the end. Exactly. Won that too. So. Okay, so going into 73, it's all kicking, it's, it's all progressing badly in Northern Ireland. Uh, Actually, the situation stage. got significant, significantly worse. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, and um, I think 73 was considered to be just about the worst year yes. of, of any of it, although it was all terrible. But um, so next year, the question then is in 73, Will England come? Mm-hmm. And there was there was quite a lot of uh, hoo-ha about that as well. Huge hoo-ha, huge speculation. Yeah. And I, I done a bit of research, you know, since then, and uh, there was a man called Richard Kingswell. He was president of the Rugby Union, which is the English Rugby Union. And he's a man from the north of England. And apparently... I, I was talking to Roger Rutley was over here with me fairly recently over here in Ireland and you know he was said look I'll bring a third string I'm coming we're coming you know so he was he was determined come hell or high water England were going to come to Lansdowne Road because th- there had been a few um, bombs I didn't realise this until quite recently in 72 and 73, yeah. all be them relatively minor, but there had been incidents. Yes, yes, yes. So can you, looking back on it, can you understand it or do you just think it was pure knee-jerk kind of reaction by the by the Scottish and by the Welsh? Uh, well, I, 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 you know, like, when you think of, you know, every club in Ireland travel, you know, at this time we all had fixtures in order mm. and every one of them took place, mm. you know, and we were in danger as much as an English or a Scotch team, you know, going up there and I remember staying in the Europa Hotel and things like that, 
happened. I, I, I can remember in six, would have been probably 67, going up and playing against Dungannon. Mm. And it was the first civil rights march. And we, Dungannon had in the clubhouse where they could hold a meal. And we went into a bar in the middle of the town and we had to circumvent the town to get into this one. And there was a, a, a stabbing in the bar. We were in a room at the back. It's some sort of a bit of a schmoz. I think someone might have got stabbed or something, but nothing serious. And it made the front lines of the Sunday papers here. You know, mm. but like all the club sides went up to the north and we were in danger. No, I, I think it was a, a wrong decision. So the game the next year, 73, uh, Willie John McBride. Now, I think there was special branch guys in the Shelburne Hotel. Was that correct? Oh, there was. Right. Well, first of all, um, just go back a little bit. There was a programme there, the team that turned up, and I learned more from that programme that went on behind the scenes, you know, even though I was playing. Mm. I didn't realise, one, that uh, Dave, David Duckham, who was the star of the English team, he had just got married, you know, and he was apprehensive. Like, I could imagine if I was in the same position, putting up with my ball and chain, right? Mm. <laughs> Listening to her. But, uh, and, you know, rightly... She, I don't blame her for being worried, you know, and particularly what had gone on with the two previous years. Why, if it was good enough for, 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 for Wales and Scotland not to come, well, you know. But anyway, Willie John, being Willie John, come on over and I look after you, and Penny, his wife, will look after. I don't know Dave Duckham's wife at all, but anyway. Uh, you don't you don't say no to Willie John. <laughs> no, no, I get the feeling that he was uh, fairly. Uh, he, he was held in such high esteem. Okay, so the lead up to the game was, shall we say, controversial. Uh, England coming over to uh, Lansdowne Road. What are your memories of the actual match? Well, well, first of all, uh, one of the most abiding memories was just pre-match, just before we went onto the pitch. We were tugging out, both teams tugged out in the Lansdowne Pavilion, beside the uncovered stands of people who were in Lansdowne those days would know what a wonderful wooden stand, <laughs> rickety stand. But anyway, the English team came out and we were to follow them by about 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. You had to cross over an area where the public could go. Mm. So they had to have stewards there to hold back the, you know, the public. And the English team went out and we were due to follow them about 20, 30 seconds later, as I said. And there was a man who was the chief steward. He was an alley could do with old Wesley called Frank Whisker. Now, Frank realised, and he played a huge part in this, he realised what was happening, the ovation England were getting and fully deserved. He held us back. So the English team were out on the pitch being applauded and got a standing ovation for four to five minutes. And if he didn't hold us back, that would have been diluted. It would have been seen as for both teams. But because they were on their own, and no one knew, none of the players would have known Frank Whisker, but I knew him because I had done a bit of business with him. Mm. He was uh, involved in, I'll call it the Protestant Church at the corner of Leeson Street and I think it's Northbrook Road, or one of the roads mm. there. And at the back of that, there is what we would describe now as sheds and sort of things, and they held exams there. And he was in charge of renting out that and things like that. And I sold him a lot of chairs. So that's how I knew him. And his contribution meant that England got the five minutes of facing for themselves and themselves only, which they fully deserved. And then uh, when the match started... Was there a sense of any gentility or was that all out the window? You must be joking. <laughs> <laughs> Ask a stupid question. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> no, no, I'll tell you. After the match, <laughs> after the match, I, 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 Tony Neary, who had Irish roots and could have played for Ireland and he captained England subsequently, he said to me later on that night, Jesus, what a great Cade Mila-Falter and you beat the all of us <laughs> no no once the game starts everything is back to normal back to normal 
Okay, because you no, know, it, it just must have been unusual to have a the the opposing team being applauded as heroes it was, of, it by was. the by the whole and, team and, and fully deserved and fully <laughs> deserved. No, no. And afterwards, do you remember? Was there a banquet? Was there a do? Yes, there was a do. We, we both teams stayed in the Shelburne Hotel. It was normal for the Irish team to stay there, but not for the opposition. But because of the occasion, and there was a lot of secret branch and you know detect and whatever security around the hotel and around the bedroom area and uh, the for some reason the dinner after was in the Hibernian Hotel which was you know down the road a bit and that's where John Pullen the English captain who wasn't renowned for his public speaking he was a sort of a typical farmer from I think the Gloucester area down around this, that part of England and a very quiet unassuming fellow and you know he stood up after the match and he said uh, we may not be a good team but we turn up you know and that he's he's he's, he's more famous for that than all his rugby career you know as I described it in another program, it was a, a like like it was the, the astronaut, you know, one step for man, one giant step for mankind. You know, it was one of those moments, and uh, you know, it, it it just got tremendous applause. It just got up. It, it, it might have got another five minutes. I don't remember. And the following year, then, when you went. Uh, seventy four. Yeah, yeah. You, you won the championship that year, didn't you? I think we we won it. Yes, we did, and it was most unusual. I think every team lost at home. Oh, sorry, every team won at home, except we got a draw. So I think, you know, we 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 scraped it. There would have been, we won by one point by that draw. And then there would have been sort of two or t- two teams the same one point less than us, and then the other, you know. So it was very. And those years, it nearly always went with home advantage, mm. you know, home advantage. Yeah, and we, you know, it, it's little talked about was that championship win because it was so so fluky and so sort of. But anyway. But you had a good team, and and you did miss out certainly in seventy two. Seventy two was the big yeah. one. Definitely, that was the one that haunts me a little bit to these days. So then, from sort of in the next year on seventy five uh, onwards, for the next five years, when you were sort of playing for the Irish team, no, uh, I, I, I played. I may not have my dates exactly correct. I played, you know, seventy two to about seventy five six, yeah, and then. I was out of the scene. Yeah, John Robbie and yeah, the, the, was yeah, John, there was Robbie five, McGrath as well. Robbie McGrath, Colin Tom Patterson. Califf, mm. Colin Patterson. Yeah. I wasn't in that mix at all. Mm. And then I think it was 78, Noel Murphy came in as coach. And I got the biggest surprise of my life, right? You know, you, you get a lot of these disappointments. But I, I think it was 78, I played the final trial and I came on as a sub on the, the we call it the B team, there was the probables and the possibles and I came on. Oh, I remember it well. We yeah, used to yeah, go every year, yeah. Yeah, all right. Anyway, I came on as, as, as a sub and did nothing great, nothing wrong. And I remember saying to my wife, Miriam, I said, geez, you know, we, we would go down to the Shelburne at eight o'clock and the team would be announced. I said, oh, jeez, do I have to go down, you know? Because I didn't think I had no hope because I came on as a sub, didn't do anything spectacular. I felt I didn't anyway. Came on as a sub and uh, I said, I better go down anyway, respect. Went down. The team was announced that I was captain. I, 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 I assure you, I had never been even told before that. You know, normally someone would pull you aside and tell you. So, and this was for the 78 season? I think it was, yes, yes. No, I'm, I'm hopeless on dates. Yes, what, what, yeah, 78 season. My memory of a match in 78 in Paris, 
was yes. ten nine at one point. Yeah, yeah, it was very yeah, close. Yeah, that on a frozen pitch. You're absolutely right. I was captain that day, and I could have got that game called off. Right. What 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 happened was, uh, the pitch was very very hard, frozen. As you said, mm. it was frozen, and uh, the crowd ha- ha- were in the ground. You know, as we were going in, the crowd were in the ground, and. It's the French Union decision whether the match goes ahead or not, right? So they said the match has gone ahead. Once the match starts, the referee has total control. So anyway, uh, we went out, we were playing away, and the ground, geez, I remember after my was scraped to bits, you know, and the referee came up to me after, I don't know how long, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and said, you know, what do you think is it? Are you okay, or do you think it's dangerous? And I said, I don't want to meet these guys now. In the middle, the French were very good, and particularly in sunny days and hard ground. I said, Jesus, I'll take my chances here rather than two months' time on the sunny ground. So we said, we play, we play on, and we were very narrowly beaten. That's right, very yeah. narrowly beaten. So the decision was made by me. If I said no, it was dangerous. He'd have to call it off because if someone got injured. But I, I was weighing up the odds. I said we have a better chance of winning now than in two months' time. With the and it very nearly paid off because I, I remember that match well. Um, and I, w- I remember two of us in particular. Of both our legs were just scraped. That Willie Duggan and myself. You know, it was very hard. And. Uh, Prior to that, I couldn't believe I wasn't picked for the three previous three years. And when I came out, I couldn't believe the lack of confidence in the players. I don't think they won a match in the previous three years. They were In 75, I think, we beat England at home. That was just about it. They had a, a horrendous run. Got murdered by... Uh, Wales away in the 75 Wales in the Grand Slam in that year uh, 76 wasn't great 77 I think that yeah. they might have won a match yeah but, but, but very little and yeah. I couldn't get over now we won we won uh, we, did, we, did, we won one match we beat who did we probably Scotland I don't remember anyway but uh, and then the Australian tour then followed uh, that and Slats was captain for the Australian tour now the Australian tour is famous for reasons that have got very little to do with you or even uh, rugby, although you won the uh, series 2-0. 2-0, yes. And it was, uh, you said you played one of the matches on the Sydney Cricket Ground, is that right? Yeah, the final test, or the, the second test, that was played on Sydney Cricket Ground. Yes, yes. I, at that stage, I don't think the Australian Rugby Union had a being. You know, there were... There, it was all league, mm. rugby league and... Australian rules. Yeah, it wasn't really the 80s till that really got going yeah, yeah, in there. Yeah. Um, I don't think they had a ground of their own. You know, maybe if they had, it was the one up in Brisbane, which was no great shakes. So the reason why it was famous was because of the Ward Campbell. Exactly. exactly. Uh, as you know, which knocked the, the Pope's headlines of the Pope exactly. <laughs> off the front page. Yes, yes, yes. So that was... I've spoken to both of them about it. What's your memory about that particular? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm very good friends with both of them. Mm. Personal friends with both of them. And I've, I've been speaking to both of them in the last two or three weeks. Uh, Ollie Campbell said to me uh, one day, he said, uh, I believe there was one week in the last 40 years when somebody didn't talk about it. It's very hard for me to talk about, you know, mm. they were, they're both very, very good. Like, Tony went over as European Player of the Year. That's right. They didn't have a World Cup Player of the Year, I don't think, at that stage. No, they didn't. And uh, I have great regard for both of them. Mm. And Ali was a very good player, you know. And Well, they were both great players. They were both great players. And... Uh, Unfortunately, it happens to get two at the same time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you were playing on the wing in this, in the Australian tour. Yeah, in the, uh, yeah. yeah, I played both, both matches on, on the Australian And how do you find the wing? It's a very unusual combination, scrum yeah. half and a winger. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I, I, I was a sort of sprint, sprinter, so I was fast anyway. Mm. And that's one of the uh, things that's important on the wing. But 
you know, I consider myself a footballer, you know, and they're doing it much more now. They're playing in four positions. It wasn't so common then. I didn't find it too hard, you know, sort of, because I remember Terry Kennedy often comes up to me and said, Johnny, you were a great help to me. You were coaching me on the wing up in Mary's. You know, so I consider myself a footballer and, uh, you know, I was captain of Mary's for a few years and, you know, I was used to coaching people and I found it quite easy. Well, from a positional point of view, I found it quite easy. But you mentioned Mike Gibson said that he'd played at the wing at one point and didn't like it. Oh, well, Mike wasn't a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> Mike was one of the great footballers, you know. Yeah. No, for some reason, he just didn't like it, which surprised me because Mike was one of the God, I, I felt I admired tremendously and... You know, well, he's got to be one of the greatest centres of all time. One, one, of, one of the great Irish players of all time. Yeah. No, I put him up there with, you know, we have our Sexton's or Driscoll's, Gibson's. Maybe. Well, him and uh, uh, Mike Gibson and Brian O'Driscoll, I suppose they would be the dream the dream centre combination, wouldn't they? Or, or did they both, are they too similar in some way, do you think? Well, yeah, um... His acceleration of pace, his turn of pace yeah, by Gibson's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you see it on YouTube, yeah, you it, it is absolutely explosive. Explosive, yeah. No, no, no. Great, great player. Your own style of passing, we were talking about it, you know, it was in the days of the kind of... The um, dive pass. The yeah. dive pass, and you also kind of spun the ball as well. A bit, a bit. But it was... Uh, why... It was the way that they... Tell her to do it at that point. Why did it change? Do you think? Gareth Edwards. <laughs> okay, he, he 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 brought on the, the the spin pass. Okay. And then there was also, God, I haven't mentioned his name in years. Campervero, the scrum map. Remember the little uh, French scrum. French, yeah. He had a huge long pass. I, I, and, but I think the man responsible, I would think responsible for the spin pass was was the great Gareth Edwards. Okay. uh, And did Gareth Edwards, like when you you, you were up close and personal during the the Lions in 74, so did you did you learn a lot from him? Did you kind of did did he do things that you thought, wow, I haven't seen that before? Well, his kick, you know, this kick I mentioned on the ground, I could never accomplish that, you know, like I had my style quite different from his, you know, and, uh, you know, I haven't seen anyone do that kick that Garrett developed to, to any degree. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bearing in mind that uh, if you watch obsessed lads are, are practising all the time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, no, Garrett, see, you needed a hard ground as well. Yeah, you know that that was the secret. He would kick it into the ground and would bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. No, like that—that that, was a, you know that and the spin pass, and and his upper body strength. As you said, he had a barrel of chest and boom. You know, they they were the three things that I mentioned. Uh, and uh, when your rugby career finished, uh, what what was your job? What what did you would you have to have anyway? Back in those days, well, you actually we, had to work for a living. Well, geez, we had to work for <laughs> we had to work for a living. Yes, I, I was involved in uh, telecommunications, telecommunications and office equipment company, and I had a shareholding in it. You know, so I did. I didn't make a fortune, but I did reasonably well and comfortable. Life and combining your work and my life, and uh, was that difficult? Because you trained a lot, right? Yeah, and you know, up in Mary's. We were reckoned to be the fifth fittest team in Ireland. We trained very hard. And there was a competitiveness in the training, a slagging competitiveness. You know, we'd be doing the sprints. And, you know, oh, geez, I beat you there. And, you know, you're not going to get the next one. You know, there was that competitiveness. Because I remember a fellow called Kieran Smith. I think he played for Connacht. And he came up and he broke down in the warm-up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> like we we were we were fit and and thing. No, my wife has never ever stopped me once. You know, put a barrier in me going out or training or whatever, going to rugby functions. She chases me out nearly. You know, because uh, in those days, you I mean you played an international match on Saturday and you'd be playing for your club on Sunday. Yes, yes, and that's, yes. It was crazy. I remember. Did playing. you not feel a bit wrecked? You know, not it was the norm. 
<laughs> no, I'm just, yeah. We know no different. I can remember playing in a four countries match. It was the f- Ireland, Scotland versus England, Wales. And we had the jerseys of mm. the. F- I remember them, yeah. 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 And uh, I had three of them and I gave them all to my school, you know, all to Mary's. Uh, well, all my jerseys, I had a big selection of jerseys out in that room out there. And they had black frames. And my daughter said, Jesus, this is more like a mortuary. <laughs> I'll solve the problem. So I brought them all down to the school and they were very glad. I was glad to give them and they were glad to have them. It's the only thing I really collected was jerseys. And uh, but uh, and you, re- you remain hugely interested in rugby. Well, I, 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 I coached the Leinster and Irish in the 20s. Right. And I love that. And, you know, with players like Brendan Mullen, Neil Francis, and you know, big players like Fergus Dundevian. What kind of rugby did you encourage them to play? Winning. Winning rugby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, yes, because I remember different years. I remember one year, uh, I had two, two of, I mentioned his name earlier, Paddy Madigan's sons, and there were two. Both totally different. One was a, a rascal, with, with, and the other was very serious. And the serious fellow was captain, and we had a very good pack, and we played it tight and that. Okay, so you were pragmatic. Yes. If you had a pack to do it. Then we yeah. had people like Brendan Mullen and mm. other good players like that, Fergus Dunley. We, you know, we, we played to win. You know, you only had you 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 only had the three interpros really. Mm. So you you had three matches. I remember we played in some New Zealand's. We went on one or two little tours, but like you, you only had a limited number of matches and a limited time. So, play to win, play to win. Uh, finally, Johnny, um, I suppose I have a double double question for you. What what is what was, what is your rugby legacy like? What's your great greatest memories, and what did it do for you? And the second part is uh, a couple of the great greatest players you played with or against. Right, well, well, first of all, um, I have huge pride in St. Mary's. Now, people find that hard to believe. And, you know, uh, we had a great team. Mary's were average club side, but when I, when I joined, 67, 68, we had a wonderful period and it continued on. And when you consider we had no Mary's out-and-out out international up to 1970, and uh, then we have had a string of them and loads of lines. And one of my great with memories with St. Mary's was sort of wi- winning the Cup in 69. But we ended up winning what was, inverted commas, the All-Ireland Cup, I think it was 75. And we played uh, a Leinster Senior Cup final on a, on a, on a, a Saturday and drew with Wesley. We had the replay on the Tuesday or Wednesday, right? And won that narrowly. We then got into, the winners of that got into the final of what would have been the the, 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 the Bateman Cup, the All-Ireland Cup, for the Munster Centenary. And that was played on the Friday night. We had to play the winners of the Cups and the four provinces. So we had only two or three or four days notice. And we played... Bangor on the Friday night who had, didn't win the cup I think they won the league and I don't think the senior cup and up in Ulster had been decided so we played Bangor and then on the, on the Sunday we played Gary Owen in the final and we had we had extra time so <laughs> when you think you thought the under 20s were badly treated by having to play so often I, I think I think it was there was a full, there was a heading I think was two two trophies in eight days you know but like you could you, you couldn't imagine that happening and that was a, a, a supreme moment in Mary's you know then getting the Lions tour in 74 mm. uh, that was another highlight and then playing for Ireland you know just mm. generally being picked for Ireland having the honour to play for your country and who are your greatest players that you played with and against the one, I'll answer this. The, 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 the one I'd, I'd love to play against is Antoine Dupont. Oh. <laughs> Why? I, he, he's, I think he's one of the most incredible players I've seen. Mm-hmm. I, I just 
I just idolise him as a player. And do you know what I like most about him? What? The dirty work he does. Yeah. You know, he goes down in balls, he tattles, he covers and things. Now, he's fantastic in all aspects, but the amount of dirty work mm. he does for the team mm. is what I'm, I think. I'd love to meet him and tell him that. You know, I think he's a... You know. Then I played, obviously, Gareth Edwards, mm. Phil Bennett, another very good fellow who died very young, and he was a great player. And would be unspectacular but when you played with him really like Mervyn Davies you um, realise how good he was when you played with him you know there's a few players like that and another player I, I, I came up to him and I said McGann you're a lazy bastard you should have had lines two lines tours he was probably one of the greatest football brains was he Barry oh, McGann yeah football mm. brain but Barry didn't train too hard and he didn't worry too much. He was one of the most relaxed people I've ever came really? in, in life. An example of this, in Argentina, I was bedding down with him in the same room. In the morning of a test match, you'd be awake and uh, you'd be up an hour early and you'd be jigging about and then McGann would be snoring at 11 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> he was just so laid back. But as a rugby brain, you know. Then I played Tony Ward, Ali Campbell... David Duckman, another good English player. Uh, so, not, Gerald, uh, Gerald Davis. Gerald Davis, yeah. I, uh, I came on, I, I didn't realise at this stage, I came on as a sub on the wing, believe it or not. Uh, I may have said I didn't play on the wing, but I came on as a sub in 1970 on the wing in the four countries match for the Rugby Union centenary. And I was Martin Gerald Davis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can remember playing against him in Lansdowne Road and he got the ball straight in front of him and I went to t- like that to tattle him and he was gone it was like trying to catch a fly mm. his reactions were faster than anything I've ever seen mm. you know every other player in the world I would have got but he was just bang he was a, he, he was a great player um, I was I don't. I don't pick. I don't. I. I. I'm like uh, Bobby Windsor. He wouldn't pick a back, and I wouldn't pick a forward. <laughs> Bobby Windsor was asked. Bobby was one of the great characters at the Lions too, and he was asked by a report. You know, what are your favourite fail and what do do? What's your favourite player? And he said Charlie Faulkner, and none. Of, this was on seventy four tour, and none of the players had heard of Charlie Faulkner, and I knew Gareth Edwards had no hope. He was a back. And who the bloody hell is Charlie Faulkner? He was the other prop in Pontypool. Uh, but he subsequently got capped, but no one had heard of him. <laughs> so <laughs> I may be prejudiced with forwards. Yeah. Keith Wood was another, Keith Wood. And I knew his fault, and Lord rest him. Yeah. He was in Limerick. And uh, Keith Wood was an exceptional player, an exceptional player. Willie John. And Fergus Slattery? Yeah, Fergus, yeah, Fergus is a good player. Fergus, yeah, yeah, very good player, and he's not too well, and I wish him the very, very, very best at the moment. Actually, I would put Shay Deering in that greats. Now, people wouldn't agree with that, but I played in the school, but a lot of people down in Munster would. <laughs> and a great, great individual. And I'll end up with praising Shay Deering, a man I revered. Johnny, it's been fantastic talking to you, and you've got a very uh, great memory and, oh, I don't, uh, great. Don't, but, don't tell my wife. My wife thinks I have the worst memory in the world. Well, it's been very evocative here and uh, your uh, your recollections have been excellent and really, really insightful and interesting. Thank you very much for talking to us today. Okay, thanks. Lovely. An will phone poke a nuawet, an will knappy no fum nis orjawet, nis eskalahusaj, faker no phone intakata gwin, on show, egg daro, an von klishte is dani, gidi gohan la hai glina, agus taskina, tarod egen, gogachtina, tanismo olis, egg daro.com.